You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey. Today, we are talking about how to get a lover, a partner, to understand what you really want, how to really communicate and listen and push through the nonsense, the fog, the sociocultural conditioning that maybe makes it difficult for us to listen and hear. And we have a question from from you, dear listener. And last week we talked about the spreadsheet, the sex spreadsheet, and a bunch of you emailed me asking for it. So if you do want a copy, I'm happy to send it out. I haven't put it online, but if you want a copy, shoot us an email, info at sexwithdrjess.com, and we will send it your way. I also had some follow-up questions from the blowjob Lube job sessions. We did a couple of couple of those episodes about lube, and I was talking a lot about lube. And they wanted to know what kind I recommend. And honestly, there are really great lubes on the market. So I have to share full disclosure. I work with Astroglide, so I tend to use Astroglide Organics, which is you know paraben free and fragrance free and glycerin free and all that jazz. I also like Pure Woman P J U R, but I've tried you know dozens and dozens of lubes. Brandon kind of just reaches. I think for whatever's next to you, right? You're not picky at all. Yeah, I'm not picky. Whatever is in the cupboard, I'm happy to use. Yeah, so some people just aren't that particular. So I would suggest if you're able to go to a local sex positive shop, you can kind of feel the lubes and taste the lubes to see what works for you. And there are there are a ton of ton of different brands out there. Organic stuff, water-based stuff, silicone-based stuff. The silicone-based lube will last a little bit longer and you can use it in the shower because it doesn't wash away as easily and it tends to be a little bit slicker. And then the water-based stuff is just a little bit more generally, a little bit more viscous and will wash away more easily. And a lot of people will opt for that for, for example, oral play and anything to do with the vagina. But you can use both kind of anywhere. Anyone who's having anal generally uses a silicone-based lube just because there's a little bit more padding to it. It's a little bit thicker and longer lasting. Yeah, you might have been away recently and I might have used one and it didn't ha- it wasn't, uh, didn't wash away in the water oh. and had to use uh, something to get rid of it. It's like a, just soap, right? Soap and water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I had to use, I had, I, yes, I used some water, but I had to scrub a little bit more to get it off. Okay. It was a silicone based, I presume. Yes, it was. Do you was. even know what it was? I don't recall you because again, grab. I just reached into the cupboard. <laughs> Anything that's there, he'll use. <laughs> but that really speaks to the fact that there isn't one specific lube that is best. And there are, of course, ingredients that are not going to work for some people, but for other people, they're perfectly fine. So you have to kind of figure out what works best for your body. Yeah. All right, so spreadsheet, lube, now we move on to how to really tell a lover what you want. And we have a question from somebody who's been with their partner for 13 years. So I'll hand it over to you, babe. All right, here we go. My husband and I have been together for 13 years. Awesome. We love to keep it fresh. Occasionally, it feels like we have trouble hearing as opposed to just listening to what each other wants. We often have to take a night to just talk about things. However, there are two things I can't seem to get him to understand. Number one, I am very visual. So sometimes I just like to close my eyes and block out the visual distractions. He thinks that I don't want to look at him and that's just not the case. I just want to feel in that moment. Number two, I can't be the only one that sometimes just wants to feel the slow and steady for a while to just close my eyes and keep a steady and gentle rhythm. I think that he is thinking that I'm not that moment that I'm bored and I'm not. I tell him not to stop, but the moment has already passed. Would you mind addressing this? Maybe we both need to feel, need to understand in a different way than what we are using with each other. Thank you for what you do. All right, I think this is a common experience. You know, you tell your partner what you want, 
they have trouble hearing it or they have trouble believing it because of ingrained beliefs or because of their own experience or because of a past experience. And of course, it can lead to frustration and the moment passes and maybe, you know, a little bit of letdown and even conflict. And I have to say, I get so many versions of this question where, you know, they're saying ABC feels really good for me, but my partner doesn't get it. So they do X, Y, Z. That's Z for my American friends, <laughs> X, Y, Z instead. And when I tell them I want ABC, they don't seem to hear me or worse yet, they're upset by the request. And I can think of specific examples around orgasm. So I think about this question that I, or you know, comment that I hear from people all the time. You know, I, I don't orgasm during sex sometimes and my partner feels like it's their fault, but I really like sex even if I don't orgasm and I tell them that, but they don't believe me. And then during sex, they're asking me if I've had an orgasm, which totally ruins it for me, or they're trying so hard to make me orgasm that we both stop enjoying ourselves. So how do I get them to understand that I love sex even when I don't orgasm? So I'm thinking about this cycle and how it shows up in so many different ways. And I think it's really about ingrained education, kind of trumping lived experience and communication. So the beliefs we hold are rooted in these sociocultural expectations or and or I think the globalization of our individual experiences. And these are so powerful that we have difficulty hearing anything to the contrary. And I don't know if I'm being clear, but I know I struggle with this. You know, you can tell me, Brandon, that you're really cool with something, but the wider culture tells me, no, 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 straight guys are actually into the opposite. So I worry that you're just saying it to appease me. Instead of just trusting you, I'm trusting another source, a source that doesn't know anything about you. Or I'm trying to think about, you know, there were times when we met where I drew from previous relationships. And because an ex wanted something, I kind of assumed that you wanted the same. Even when you were telling me the opposite, I had trouble not generalizing an ex's needs to you. And yeah, this, I guess I see it as like a globalization of individual needs. We see it all the time. You know, I, I'm thinking about even on Instagram, I had posted recently that some people are happy in sexless relationships and people have meaningful, rich, happy relationships without sex. And, you know, it upset a lot of people. They're saying it's not possible. Their relationship's going to fall apart. They were laughing at me. They'd say, oh, they'd be missing out. They're eventually going to break up. And God, I wonder why we have so much trouble seeing that our individual experiences and needs are not universal, you know? And I do find that if you're a person living on the margins, like for example, especially when it comes to sex, if you're queer, for example, for sex and relationships, you're kind of forced to see things from a wider lens and get this, you know, get that there isn't just one way mm -hmm. to do things. I don't know, do you have anything in our relationship you can think of where I'm telling you something's cool or I'm telling you I want something, but it makes no sense to you? <laughs> Um, I mean, I'd have to reflect back, not off the top of my head. I remember when we first got together, there was discussion around, say, threesomes or just the talk of it. And it wasn't something that I actually wanted. And I, and I remember that being something where like, I don't know that I believe you, that mm. you don't want it. And so you avoided the question and just talked about me. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, it was, I, I just remember you thinking, and I don't know how long, it could have been very short lived, but you were kind of like, I don't know that I believe that you don't actually want that. Well, I was right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, at the time you may not have wanted to, but oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. So, you know, we see this, I think, on an individual level in relationships and it blocks us from really hearing what a loved one is telling us. And we see it on a societal level too with folks. I especially think it's those of us who maybe live with more privilege and see ourselves centered more often. You can really struggle and have to remind ourselves that our way 
isn't the only way. And I guess before we get right back to the question, I want to add that we see big positive shifts in this respect with young folks really breaking this bad habit with each generation continuing to be more open to alternatives and supporting mindsets and approaches and relationships that don't work for them, but getting that they work for others. And I think that's really cool. So I guess we should go back to the original question. You know, for example, if you're closing your eyes and you're going slowly so that you can really be in the moment and he thinks... He's telling himself the story. We always have to say what's the story you're, you know, you're telling yourself. That when you're avoiding looking, when you're closing your eyes, you're avoiding looking at him. And you must be bored. And you're telling him the opposite. The bottom line is he needs to trust that you're being honest about your experience and understand that you know your body and your mind best. So let's kind of think about how we work, I think, on trust and understanding to begin with. So I'd want to explore where does he get this idea that closed eyes and slow, steady, gentle, rhythmic motions are a sign of boredom? And I'm curious if it's maybe because that's what he would do if he was bored. There's this globalizing of his own experience to you, which we all do, of course. Or maybe he just views slow sex as less exciting. And I wonder where he gets that idea. Like, is, is it from porn? And can you maybe broaden the types of of material you're consuming or maybe he's afraid that it's taking too long for you to get to orgasm again where is this expectation coming from so for me it sounds like some education and trust building are required here so I'd want to have a conversation with him if I were you you know I'd, I'd want to say you know why do you think I'm bored like where is this idea coming from and make space for open conversation I would also want to know you know do you trust do you trust that I'm going to share openly with you. Do you trust that I will obviously like I'm invested in our sex life. I, I love it with you. And I'm going to be honest with you. And when I tell you that something feels good, do you really believe me? And if you don't like, let's, let's talk about that. I also would be curious, what are the signs that he expects to see or hear as a signal that you're enjoying yourself? And again, where is this messaging coming from? Because I do hear this a lot where if a partner is quiet, if a partner isn't kind of, you know, jumping up and down, they think that it's not that intense. But some people are quiet when they're enjoying sex. Some people do want to slow down and enjoy themselves. And then I guess, does he want you? What does he want from you? Does he want you to look into his eyes with intensity? Does he want you to make noise? Does he want you to move more quickly? Again, where are all these desires and ideas coming from? Because I think the bottom line is that everybody wants to enjoy sex, but they also really want their lover to enjoy sex. So I wonder if the resistance or the lack of capacity to really hear and understand what you're saying, does it come from a place where he doesn't feel you're enjoying yourself? And so what can you do to help one another understand what you enjoy and to signal that in the moment without, you know, saying, stopping and saying, I am thoroughly enjoying myself right now. That's sexy. Um, and I think we also need this reminder that there's no singular way to enjoy pleasure and break down where those messages come from, right? Some people have orgasms from jackhammering. For others, it's a gentle caress. Um, some people get off from quick strokes and for others, it's slow. So I'd love for you to talk about not only this one specific thing, but what you really enjoy, you know, tuning into pleasure and talking about sensory deprivation. You close your eyes to drown out the visual. I think, do you do that, babe? Oh my goodness. Yes. Is it because of the faces I make? It is because of the faces. <laughs> do you cover your ears because of the noises that I make? <laughs> no, no, I just like to wear this headset in bed because <laughs> it's kinky. So earplugs. But 
there's so many things in here that I'm, and again, I'm just applying to my own situation, but it's like the idea of going slow, like playing with tempo mm-hmm. can really heighten my experience. Um, we've talked before, but when you've said to me, you don't make noise, I don't know what you're thinking. Like if you're enjoying, you're just silent. And But having that communication allowed me to, you know, change my perspective, listen and hear what you were saying. And, and then, make noises. And, like, and, oh. and, well, you know what the other thing is? I don't think my noises are particularly sexy. I grew up and it was like, well, you <laughs> you know what I mean? So I didn't want to make noise. So then when I didn't make noise, I'm assuming or I know that you didn't know if I was enjoying myself. Right. And we do. We stymie our sounds because we're so, you, like you said, you don't feel like they're sexy. So again, where is that messaging coming from? And it sounded like somebody like it was somebody was like stabbing me in the leg. It didn't sound like I was enjoying myself. Right. What yeah. what do you mean? Like where do those is that what you think you sound like? I yeah, I mean I'm sure if I recorded myself I'd be I mean, back in the day I would have probably been mortified with how I sounded. Why? I don't know. I just didn't sound like something that would be attractive. And so have you changed those sounds over time? I probably still do if I were to think about what I'm, the noises that I'm making. But I think it was more about having the conversation where you said to me, you know, you should let me know if you're enjoying this. Mm-hmm. And it feels good for me to know if you're enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And then again, it's like this person is saying about the partner, communicating that slowing down and that tempo they really enjoy. Once they say that, it's like, oh, yeah, now, you know, I want to give my partner what they like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so it, starting with what you like as opposed to what you don't like, recognizing where the messaging is coming from, like, really, you very rarely in mainstream porn see people take their time and move centrally, right? And maybe move in a way that isn't as visually um, exciting, right? Like, they, it's kind of like a quick cut on everything, always moving around, changing angles, changing positions, well, you said it. The pizza person has to get back to their delivery right. in the movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just like come in, let that pizza get cold, and then all of a sudden everyone's having a threesome. There's this, there's a thing. Yeah. And, and then the other piece, so there's the slowing down piece, right? Which I think, again, we've never seen a representation of it, right? And so maybe there are like movies you can watch to show that other people, you're not the only one <laughs> who <Yeah>. likes <laughs> slowing down. You like going slow. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, even though I have to get up in the morning and I, I have a time limit, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> and not always. No. But but sometimes I've played with that tempo and it has really heightened the experience for sure. And then the sound piece is really interesting. And I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but we all adjust our sounds according to the roles we think we ought to play. There's research with people who are deaf having sex and the deaf community makes very different sounds because they haven't been pressured or influenced by porn, which says that, you know, maybe my sound wants to come out like as a, oh, but I'm told that my sound's supposed to sound like, uh, so then I'm adjusting it even like subconsciously we're doing it. And it's a great exercise to just masturbate on your own and practice letting your sounds flow freely with no inhibition, with no censorship and seeing what that feels like. And I know that's a slightly different conversation, but if we bring it back to this, what I would say is I'd love for you to talk about what you really enjoy and share with your partner signs that you're enjoying yourself um, without honing in on the specific experience of going slow and closing your eyes. So I was thinking, could you make a list of what you like first and foremost, and then how your body responds, how you respond when you're really enjoying the moment. So what are the spots you like to have touched? How do you like to be touched? All the ways, 
all the toys, all the rhythms, all the strokes, all the body parts, all the words you like to hear, all the sounds you like to enjoy. Like, could you come up with 20 to begin with and then kind of keep adding to it so that you can communicate to your partner, these are all the things I enjoy. And then here's what it might look like when I'm enjoying myself. I might close my eyes to really tune in to the moment because that sensory deprivation, one sense being deprived means that the other senses like the sense of touch can be heightened and then make a list so that you've got here's what I like here's what it might look like or sound like here's how my body might respond and then just kind of share those lists and then really talk about the trust piece making this commitment to to trusting one another and I'm thinking that to do that you might try a touch activity for example that allows you to play with sensory deprivation so maybe flip the roles and let him give it a try where you blindfold him and you centrally touch him slowly and gently and maybe his you know he can't see so ask him how it feels and and maybe he won't like it maybe it's not his thing if he if he says he's not into it same thing you have to trust him but then it's your turn to to get your turn at being touched and slowing down and it doesn't have to be sexual right it can just be sensual it doesn't have to be erotic in any way and ask him to do the same for you in terms of trust So I think it's about, you know, working on the trust piece, talking about what you really like, sharing how you respond when you really like something. And then the the last piece I was thinking about when I read this is really the flip side. I'm wondering if looking him in the eyes and moving kind of more quickly is actually what he wants. Maybe it's what turns him on and he doesn't really know how to ask for it. Maybe it isn't about his assumptions or a lack of capacity to hear you, but it's about his desires that maybe he isn't communicating. And then if, if that is something he wants, then I'm sure you can do some of that as well. I'm sure you can find a balance where you do both. So yeah, you know, I talk about that. What does he want to try? Because it's not one or the other. You can go slow and sensual in the dark for you, and then you can do all the things that he enjoys too. Yeah, I mean, I I love the idea of both of you are playing with that sensory deprivation. Like, that's immediately kind of what I thought of, and I was just like, that would be, I mean, fun. And if they don't want it, they don't want it, but at least you've tried something different to give them some perspective, because I think that would help me if you were trying to convey it, and I was like, no, I don't believe you. And then you were like, well, let me blindfold you and, you know, experience or, or, you know, see how it feels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, worst case scenario, you try something new with your partner who you trust and you care for and you have sex. Right. Or you don't. Or (laughs) Or you you or you like, oh, man, that sucked. And it's like, okay, maybe we try it one more time. And if it still sucks, we'll try (laughs) something else. Right. There's no quick fix. But I think there's a lot here. And I think that it's really relevant to so many of us. I think that piece around, you know, struggling with the globalization of individual needs that stops us from either trusting our partner or even if it's not about trust, hearing our partner. Mm -hmm. Right. And believing that what they're saying is true. And, it, you know, it's tied to it can be tied to insecurity and it can be tied to messages around shame. And so all of that needs a little bit of unpacking, but it doesn't have to be, you know, lying on a therapist's couch for weeks at a time. It could be a conversation and a list of things that, you know, you can share with one another as well as maybe this like physical touch exercise. Yeah. And and I think about that globalization element that you referenced and how I do that. Like I've done that even outside of of the bedroom, like it's an idea of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. It's idea that if I if I can't if I don't listen to this, if I formulate my own narrative and my own outcome, then I'm going to keep working towards that, thinking that I'm going to improve. When in reality, I'm just not listening to my partner or to myself or whatever that is, and it's only hurting myself. Mm-hmm. It's only hurting me. Mm-hmm. And I, I I notice with you, like if I tell you I like something, I kind of know you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But I guess oh, that yeah. comes from you trusting that if I say I like it, it's not for the fun of it. 
Yeah, no, I, I do. I trust you. I think if you tell <laughs> like, me that you like something and you want me to do it, I believe you. So I'm going to do it. And it usually is there's positive reinforcement there because I know based on what you've asked me that you're clearly enjoying it. Yeah. And I think for, for this person, I think you, you're already on the right track. Like you already said that you're just taking a night out to talk about things. So I think this is just one more thing to talk about. So even though this is a common behavior, even though it's a, an ingrained behavior, even though it's tied to dominant sociocultural messages, perhaps, and it sounds like those things are difficult to overcome, sometimes it's really just about slowing down and reassuring one another. And I don't think it has to be super complicated. So I hope that everybody will get a chance to, I don't know, use this as a conversation starter or mm. just go ahead and make your lists right now of what feels good. Like I'm thinking about, you know, if I were to make a list of all the things that feel good, mine would be really long because I, I feel I have a lot of permission to kind of like everything and do anything I want. But even if you could just start with a few things, I think that's that could be helpful. So we're going to stop there. And I'm going to remind you that the mindful sex course at happiercouples.com is still on sale. I noticed that a couple of you snagged it last week, but we're going to have it up there at 25% off with code podcast. Once again, happiercouples.com, mindful sex, take your time, slow touch definitely relates to this question, but I think that it's uh, really beneficial across the board. So happiercouples.com and the mindful sex course code podcast. We will stop there. We were supposed to do a quickie. Did we do a quickie? I mean, it was a media me. A media. Okay. Yeah. yeah, This is as fast as I go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for chatting, babe. Thank you. Thank you for writing in. Send us your questions. I'm trying to get to as many of them as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.